You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Friday afternoon, so it's time for the weekly wrap. And this week, it is populated by Liston Mainchie's independent economic and financial analyst. And Liston, just before we get on to the matter of the week that's gone by, I've just been watching a rugby match. And I was watching it, and it's between Japan and Russia. And it's still going on, actually, as we pre-record this podcast. And a gentleman by the name of Peter Hermias Cornelius Lapis Laboskachny uh, scored for Japan. <laughs> that comes hot on the heels of Marnus Labuskakni helping Australia retain the ashes. The brain drain is a reality. Oh, well, again, some people, and particularly from New Zealand, have spent time in Japan, you know, as A, to encourage the, the growth of the game there, and B, you know, the, uh, they, they certainly stand out by generally being a lot taller. So uh, let's look at the origin of that name. It is French, and it's a, a, a question of whether you call it Labuskakni or Labuschain. Uh, so again, uh, people have been moving around the globe quite considerably over a number of centuries. So I find nothing strange in the fact that they have gone to uh, greener pastures or pastures that find them more preferable. Exactly. Let's have a look at uh, pastures green and and brown and quite frankly bare this week in South Africa and the rest of the world. Let's start off with the oil price shock, which happened last weekend. And it was a shock that lasted uh, 36 hours or so and then came right back again, but uh, quite impactful. And there could be more to come. That's the, the general feeling I get. No, well, absolutely. You, you can't take out 5 million barrels a day and not expect it to have some some impact uh, they haven't come clean on how long it will take to repair. They do have uh, something like 70 million barrels in reserve. So they're saying, you know, for the next month, all looks okay, and we'll keep you updated. So the real question is how fast the task teams can get into that. The second part is that I really want to find out, you know, how this could have happened in the sense uh, that, you know, drones don't have a particularly long distance to fly. They're not long-range ballistic missiles. You know, you fly them in from a reasonable distance and often line of sight. So I just say, you know, there's not an awful lot of explanation at this stage. But I think one of the headlines said, you know, what we have all dreaded has now happened. And uh, again, I think part of it is just a display and say, you know, you can't automatically assume that everything will be the same than this year as last year and next year the same as this year. Yeah, I think what or has I'm what has happened, though, Liston, is, is that the, the drone story is an interesting one because they've been now described as cruise missiles. And there was a Saudi official laying out all the debris that they'd found or allegedly found from the the sites of the bombings. And it, they, so they seem to say these are low-level cruise missiles manufactured in Iran. That doesn't mean that Iran launched them, of course, but it does, they say clinically prove that Iran manufactured them. So did the Houthis in Yemen have the sophistication to do this? I don't know. It's all up for speculation, of course. Well, but I don't think that matters. What does matter to all of us is what it's going to do to the petrol price. Uh, and certainly, uh, you know, that impacted uh, at least one decision by a central bank, Lasesha Conyago, mm. still a bit concerned, you know, that our inflation is high and, and still, uh, you know, uh, not coming down as much as he would like. 4.3 at the last reading, uh, repo rate 6.5. Uh, that doesn't sound, you know, like a cozy distance to me. Of course, in America, it, it is pretty close. <laughs> We're talking about 
<laughs> Fed rate of one point something yes. and an inflation rate of one point something. So they're almost the same. Yeah, they really are. And I, I, do, I do find the, the South African story um, overly hawkish, overly cautious, overly well, conservative. Well, I, mean, we're, I mean, we've got we've got crippling unemployment. We've got no growth. We've got inflation below the midpoint of the three to six percent range and, and all sorts of other metrics. A business confidence down at a 20 year low. And yet we say, no, we're going to leave rates unchanged. Maybe they say that most of the South African population isn't influenced by a lowering of interest rates. But I don't know. I just think it was a completely ridiculous decision to leave rates unchanged. No, well, Lindsay, I mean, just two points on that. Uh, in America, you get uh, Jay Powell saying the economy is, is robust, the economy is running well, so I have to cut rates because things are so bad. Mm -hmm. And in South Africa, we are struggling at every level, and we say we can't afford to cut rates. It's ridiculous. Uh, and Brazil, by the way, just cut rates to an all-time low. Well, we, we don't want to talk about, you know, what's happening in Argentina and a few other places. But I genuinely think, you know, you can always find an excuse to not do anything. And I say if central bank governors were paid by the, by the cut or the rise, uh, they would find a greater reason to do it. If they do nothing for at least five, five uh, months or, or seven months, uh, what really was the point of everything? Yeah, quite right. So do you agree with me but, that there should, they, he should have been bolder? Do you think Lesetia Kanyago should have been bolder? But just uh, just apart from all of that, you know, when you're down at the level of 1.75 and 1.5, you cannot persuade me that anybody will notice the difference. But yeah. We discussed last time, you know, negative interest rates. Now, there is another game. I just don't understand any bit of that. I have yet to find an economics textbook uh, that, that has anything like it in uh, its description. And it must cause, ultimately, some distortion of the system. Yes. Anyway, um, they left rates unchanged, and, and that's the end of it. And the Fed, despite the fact that they said there were favorable economic conditions in the United States of America, they cut by 25 basis points, obviously being lent on by the, the orange menace, Donald J. Trump. What happens next is, is going to be very interesting. I think the third, sorry, the fourth quarter of 2019 is probably going to be the most interesting quarter uh, after the previous three, which have threatened all sorts of excitement, but nothing has really happened. What else have you seen this week, Liston? We've had um, a CPI figure out. We've had retail sales out as well, and they were both uh, both uninspiring, I thought. I think the biggest one that, that the, the listeners would be interested and intrigued with is, of course, the uh, process of uh, being declared out of uh, NASPERS. Yes. And everybody waited to see exactly what would happen. And, of course, if you add up the two prices, you should get to roughly where it was before. Now, it turns out that anybody who is a taxpayer, that's to say an individual, a company or a trust, uh, would have had to pay CGT to get their process. So they would have got the same amount of process, but they have a liability lurking for when they pay provisional tax or when they submit their tax form in February. I think by then the uh, uh, Governor of the Reserve Bank, at least the, uh, the Minister of Finance, will be delighted to hear that he's getting some more. But I've tried to quantify that, and I, don't, I find it very difficult. 
because it is true that a lot of South Africans own NASPERS and have done for many years, but largely through unit trusts. Now, here's the interesting thing. Unit trusts don't pay capital gains tax. And so when there will be a a slight rise, uh, and there's no rise in terms of if you add the two together. So there was no capital gain if it was in a unit trust, therefore no CGT. But if you took it as an individual, you paid CGT. I find that a very strange uh, arbitrage situation, which nobody seems to have discovered. Yeah. And so what is your, what is as an investor, what is your... The advice to, or rather investment analysts, what is your advice to clients? Do you go for process or do you go to NASPES? Do you have a bit of well, both or neither? What is it? No, no I, I think you, have to, you have, to, have to be a bit more courageous in saying what it is. But remember that NASPES still owns 74% of process and it owns a lot else and uh, you're getting it at a, at a discount. Uh, some of the discount in process was supposed to disappear, but not by much. Uh, and so uh, what I'm saying is, uh, in, in many cases, I would think that people would be better served to have a, a, a lot of extra sitting around that might turn into something um, than to be only in the, the, the offshore listed items. It's a very close call, and I've had inquiries from a couple of people, and I just say, you know, it honestly depends on your view. If you think that foreigners are going to bid up process simply because it's in an index which it never was in before, and uh, namely the Dutch index, and therefore some of the index huggers will have to buy uh, that, and therefore they will push the price up, then that's probably the place to get to get it. By the same token, it will then raise the value of NASPERS locally. And the one difference is that for the overseas investor, and I think this is important, the overseas investor no longer has to worry about the rand. He knows what he's buying and he's done it. But here's the, here's the interesting feature there as well, Lindsay. If anybody wants to buy process and mm. uh, in a significant amount, how will they get them? They will probably have to come into Joburg to buy the process here um, because most of the uh, shareholders of NASPERS were local. So they'll probably have to come in, buy RANDs, uh, and, and buy the process, and then they will have something they can sell on the uh, 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 Dutch uh, uh, market. Mm. But what I'm then saying is it does. It strikes me, and it's fairly obvious as well, that the, some of that has taken place because the RAND has been strong and you can't say it's because of any fancy uh, uh, political moves and, and, and ideas that we've had. In fact, the news flow has been rather awful and I would have thought foreigners would be fighting shy. So I'm putting the strength of the RAND down to the the listing in Amsterdam of process. That's How about a, that? Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting point. Uh, so there's now two or three different variables that you have to look at. Instead of just buying NASPES on the JSC, Securities Exchange. Now you've got process. Now you've got the rand to uh, sort out. Now you've got ten cent to think about uh, the Chinese economy and all sorts of things. So you're really uh, earning your monthly envelope, Lister. Well, well, the spin-off on that, of course, was that Sappy left the uh, top forty. Yes. And uh, I don't know if you've been watching Sappy's price, but that has been pretty dismal both before it happened and particularly after. Yeah. And so again, Lindsay, what I think we're seeing, and we've seen quite a bit of it this week as well. And today you see something like Investec and Investec PLC, both down nearly 5%. You know, we're seeing some rapid uh, uh, weakenings in a number of shares. 
and, and again, if you look at Investec, I don't think you could really have thought too much other than that uh, they've got a, a fair exposure to Britain and Britain has got a, a problem of note. <laughs> and it's nice to know that their asset management is going to be listed separately. And it's nice to know that they did grow the, the asset base, uh, you know, a moderate amount. Uh, but but the real question that you've got to say is, you know, is being an asset manager in the UK a good idea? But you come back to that. There's another one there called Quilter, which many people won't know about as having been the old mutual arm there. Yes. Um, and that's been quite strong recently. So it would sound to me that they are actually getting um, funds. Of course, an asset manager in the UK is free to invest anywhere in the world. And it may be that, you know, with the big old mutual background and, and the various people that they've got there, they have been, uh, you know, amongst the better fund managers. I haven't been able to prove that. No. Okay. Well, it's, um, maybe one thing they should do is change their name. But anyway, that's, uh, that's, that's another story. The South African economy bumbles along. The fact that the, apart from the, obviously the Trump leaning, the US cut rates, they must be seeing something in the future that is worrying them. Because I noticed in your excellent email that you send me every morning called Daily Intel, you're talking about global growth slowing down. Is that a reality or is this just something that people are conjuring up in order to get some interest going in what is a really dull market? at the moment no i think that that statement is absolutely true and how could it be otherwise uh, you know you've got trade blocks uh, you you have uh, um, outright bans on on various producers it, it, world trade must slow down uh, but again what i would just like to point to readers and i think it is important because it is just surrounding us but it is also that kind of sentiment towards South Africa, which will get us in the end. So the first statement is that the Namibian economy contracted for the fourth consecutive quarter. Now, that's pretty tragic. I mean, it doesn't get onto everybody's headline. The second one is that Zimbabwe's water-stricken capital gets financial lifeline. I think they'd rather get a water lifeline. Um, then Zimbabwe doctors march to parliament after court intervention. Uh, you know, so you're not sounding happy at, at, at either of those. And the one that really got me is where it says the Nigerian court had ordered the firm that won a $9 billion case against the government to forfeit its assets. Mm. My goodness me. I just don't know why that wasn't, you know, top headline of the day. Yeah, very true. It's a lot of money. Uh, there may be some reason for it, but if you're an MTN shareholder, you must at least have a look at that and say, what's going on? How come they did that? And you'll remember the fine that they put on MTN Nigeria. Yeah, you know, I'm just kind of surprised at how, uh, uh, um, what, what, what's complacent is the word I'm looking at. People are in looking at items which foreigners to South Africa, kind of see in much the same context as us. They say, gee whiz, that's bad. Angola's bad. Mozambique is tricky. Zimbabwe's got a problem. Zambia's running out of power because they, they don't, have a, don't have enough water. I mean, goodness me. Now, now persuade somebody to come to South Africa and open a new factory. Yes. And they're the told that, you know, with the, the, the resources we have, we're likely to run out of water in 2025. 
And I say, my goodness me, that's not that far away. What are we doing about it? So, as I said, I like to do this, this headline story. Uh, I hope I'm not what you once referred to as a headline hopper and jump around every time I get a, a headline. <laughs> what I'd rather do is consider it as a, a, a movie and I'm sort of saying, I know what's going to happen next. Yes, it happened. No, that's good. That's fine. And then suddenly there's this surprise like the oil shock. And I do think that was the biggest news of the, of the, uh, of the week. Yeah, I think so too. It really was. And um, as I say, although it went shooting up 15% and then down 7 or 8%, it's starting to regain its composure if you're a bull, that is, and something else is likely to happen because I really don't believe that the Houthis in Yemen could have done this on their own. And so, therefore, somebody's being a mischief maker. Uh, what do you like at the moment, Liston? Anything? <laughs> well, again, uh, you know, a couple of the, the really bads um, and, and, and probably having been shorted to almost, uh, you know, the ridiculous levels, they have already bounced, but I think they will continue to bounce. And uh, I did see somebody other than me who said that they thought that banking was quite a good uh, opportunity right now. I must say I can't agree with that. The one that I keep referring to, and I do think a lot of it is in the price now, but has been what I call the platinum group metals price. Mm. And we saw palladium uh, spike to a new high uh, yesterday. We've seen a rhodium touching $5,000 an ounce. Now, you and I have seen spikes in rhodium a good few times in our life. Yes. And so we know what is likely the, we're going to come up the end of it. But what people miss is that those mines producing rhodium are really getting it as a byproduct of all the other stuff. And the margin on that is astronomical. So I just think a lot of people don't find it in themselves to believe you know, that, uh, that it, uh, earnings can grow by 40%, let alone 80%. And that's the kind of thing that I would imagine anybody doing their, their homework on tons produced, grams per ton, all the rest of the stuff, uh, and then multiplying by a, a PGM uh, basket price uh, must come to a conclusion that definitely those earnings are going to be better. Now, you can spend a lot of time trying to be cleverer than the next person in saying, well, I think it'll be 35% up. And the other one says, no, I think it'll be up 55%. But I only, the only thing I know, and you've seen it enough in your time too, Lindsay, is that when the results come out, any number of people appear to be surprised, particularly if they're favorable. What don't you like at the moment? <laughs> I don't like retailers. Yeah. <laughs> I just think, I, and, and again, the Reserve Bank uh, did nothing to uh, allay my fears. I just say that I cannot, cannot see how people can continue spending. They are maxed out. Uh, the banks just aren't indicating uh, uh, bad loans. So that probably tells me that they're not, not introducing them. And uh, I just can't see how you can indicate growth and then we had a bad news story from mr price this week and that seems you know more to be an accounting uh, situation than than uh, the actual consumer but again i find nothing going for me to change my mind and say this really is difficult times and challenging times for retailers never forget that we've still been building malls 
And I haven't seen one open you know, recently. But the problem is if you have an area served by four malls and suddenly a fifth one arrives, some of the, the footfall is taken away from the one, uh, from the four, and, and goes to the five. Cannibalization, in other words. For all five. That's mm. the problem. It doesn't make it difficult just for the new one. It makes it difficult for all five. Mm. Listen, there's one very important point that we have to bring this conversation to an end with, and that is South Africa versus New Zealand. And, of course, you've got one foot in New Zealand and one foot in South Africa. Who's going to win? Who do you want to win? <laughs> it's very, very difficult. But I would say this is potentially the Rugby World Cup final in the round one. Mm. What an amazing statement. So I think both teams will be playing their hearts out. I believe they both will have their uh, uh, pride at stake. And whoever wins that will undoubtedly win the uh, Group B. So I, I honestly think, and just because it's not on New Zealand soil, I admit it's not on South African soil either, uh, but just given the, the, the more recent uh, 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 meetings of the two, I would think that South Africa can just snatch it. I agree with you entirely. The last time they played, which wasn't that long ago, it was a draw, wasn't it, in New Zealand? Correct. Yes. In New Zealand, a draw in New Zealand is like, is like a win, as far as I'm mm. concerned. I'm just looking at the uh, odds at the moment. 16 to 1, the draw. It can't happen again, of course, can it? No, of course not. No. No. Anyway, I think That's it's nine, good nine to ten each of two. I think, actually, no, I think uh, New Zealand, the slight favourites. Anyway, can't wait for tomorrow. Liston, thank you very much for that. Liston Mainchies is an independent financial and economic analyst, and you can catch him at Liston at Liston.co.za. And that was the weekly wrap. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with Sharenet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.